What's blinding you? Good morning, everyone. You're listening to the Christian Car Guy Show. Robbie Dillmore is out today, so for the next hour, you'll be with me, Bob Young, your Christian junkyard guy, and Bill Mixon, your Christian insurance guy. Good morning. Good, good morning, Bill. Good to see you. Glad to have you here today. I really feel strongly about our topic today, but parts of it may be very tough for me, so if I struggle... Please bear with me. I want to remind everyone, if you have questions or comments about anything during the show today, you can give us a call at 866-348-7884. If you have an insurance question, we have a plethora of insurance information <laughs> sitting right here in front of me in the studio. Bill's been in it for a long time. And if he don't know the answer, I guarantee he knows where to find it. Yeah, man. If you have a junkyard question or just want to call and say hi, give us a call at 866-348-7884. Some of the things we talk about later today may step on some people's toes, but trust me, I've been limping since, I've, <laughs> since I picked up the ink pen and started to write this. God taught me a long time ago, if you can learn from your mistakes, it's good. But if you can teach others from your mistakes, it's even better. Our topic today is what's blinding you? Is there something obstructing your view? Is there a bug or a smudge or even a chip or a crack in your windshield or your mirror that prevents you from seeing things as they really are? Or maybe a bad wiper blade that has left streaks or scratches, or even water streaks when it rains that, keep in, that is keeping you from seeing clearly, especially at night, when the glare from an oncoming car is on your windshield. There is so many things that can keep us from seeing clearly in our vehicle. That's why it's so important to anticipate and prepare for anything that may impair our vision as we drive. It's really hard to change wiper blades when the pouring down rain is coming in. You're driving. That is a really tough time to start changing wiper blades. So prevention is the key. So at the first sign of failing wipers, it's best to take care of that situation right away. They don't usually fix themselves. I've never seen that happen. And they usually keep getting worse. But I'll tell you one thing. Keeping our windshields and mirrors clean is the easiest and best thing we can do to have a, a clear view of things while we're driving. Also today, we want to ask ourselves, is there something in our lives that is keeping us from seeing things as they really are? Can our feelings for, for someone blind us from seeing obvious character flaws? How many times have we met someone and had strong feelings for them right away, only to realize later that things were not as they had appeared in the beginning? When I think about it, there have been so many people I have met that ended up being quite different than the person I saw when, when we met. But by the same token, there are so many people that I have met that are exactly the same now as when I met them. 
Take Robbie Dillmore, for instance. What a world-class guy. He is the same person today as the, the man I met years ago. Now, our relationship has changed and grown in a huge way, but he is the same guy. Maybe a tad more gray hair, maybe moving a little more slowly, but still the same dear friend I met way back then. Now, there's been times when I've met people, like somebody would drive up at the yard, and they'd have a car I liked. And um, I would uh, have a real liking for their car, and that can maybe blind me to some of their character flaws or or blind me from seeing them as they really, really, really were. And uh, Or maybe somebody's clothes, or maybe somebody's just their personal appearance can blind us to really digging in and seeing what they're really about. Any thoughts on that? Well, I would think it'd work the other way, too. Sometimes the person would come, and your your thoughts about them might color what you think about the vehicle. Exactly, exactly. And uh, a friend of mine went to look at some uh, vehicles. He was looking to buy a truck, and he was, uh, he was a financially okay person, but he had on some rough-looking clothes because he had been working, and, and he was more than able to buy the vehicle, but... His appearance gave the salespeople at the place uh, the wrong, <laughs> the wrong idea, and uh, he had trouble getting someone to help him with, you know, assist him and showing him uh, the vehicles. They you know, just kind of ignored him, and so he took his money somewhere else and <laughs> purchased another vehicle. So sometimes our first impressions can uh, can get us off track there a little bit, but uh, it's happened so many times for me. Uh, meet somebody and just was just sure that this is somebody I want to hang out with or this is somebody I need to make a real dear friend out of. And and then it didn't take too long, you know, to, to realize that, oops, it might not be quite as I thought it was. There was an illusion there. Well, I do a lot in the jail and prison ministry and thinking back 10, 15 years ago when I started, I had a lot of preconceived notions about the type of people and the relationship folks have with God, and it, it really opened my eyes. It took me a good six months of going down there to realize <laughs> that uh, you shouldn't carry those preconceived notions around all the time. They can get us in a lot of trouble, can't they? Well, I've got, met some folks that had lots of money, and you'd never know it by looking at them. And I've met some folks that <laughs> overdressed for what their budget could afford. The next thing I want to speak about today is, can our love for our children blind us and stand in the way of us using good judgment in raising them? We have all heard the saying, love is blind. But I know it's true when it comes to raising our children. Now, I'm not casting stones by any means because I lived in a glass house. I cannot count the times before I had any children that I found myself standing on my soapbox saying, my kids will never do that. Wow, (laughs) what a steady diet of crow I had as my little angel grew up and let me know he was fully human and quite a handful. I can remember so many times when his actions should have been rewarded with very harsh discipline and he got off with another stern warning because I was blinded by my love for him. 
Surely that warning will work this time, I found myself saying over and over. Needless to say, when it came to discipline, I was a very, very, very slow learner. Does this ring any bells for you, Bill? Well, I always went the other way. If my kids got rowdy and did things they weren't supposed to, I'd say, you're both going in the hallway, and they'd start saying the other one was responsible. I'd say, you don't understand. I don't care who's responsible. You broke the noise ordinance. And I said, you have permission to let your sister out of timeout. And I told her, sister, you have permission to let your brother out of timeout. The first time they sat there for hours. The second time they only sat there about an hour. The third time they started working out a deal. So they'd have to work out a deal between the two of them to let each other out of timeout. It worked pretty good. That's pretty good thinking there, brother. I like that. You uh, you were talking about they wanted to blame it on the other. Um I had a family member that had twins, and uh, he was trying to figure out. He came home one day. He got home from work one day, and his wife showed him where somebody had been coloring on the, on the wall, I believe it was, with crayons, and she hadn't said anything. She wanted him to deal with it. So he went in there and says, Girls, oh, my goodness, have y'all seen this? There's some beautiful artwork in here on the kitchen wall. And they were both, oh, I did it, Daddy. Oh, I did it, Daddy. So uh, he used a pretty ingenious method to uh, get what he needed out of them with, uh, you know, I thought that was just really, really, really slick. I don't know how you you, you chastise them after you told them they did such a good job. <laughs> <laughs> well, he just kind of tricked them into taking, uh, taking credit. Ownership for it. of it, yes. Yeah, ownership. Next thing I want to mention is... Can our desire for our kids to have more than, can our desire for our kids, excuse me, well, maybe that was my sign. We're going to have to take a break here. Maybe that's why I was stuttering there for a second, but we'll be right back with the Christian Car Guy Show. Welcome back, everybody. What's blinding you? You're listening to the Christian Car Guys Show. And if you'd like to comment or give us a call, 866-348-7884. 866-348-7884. I'm Bob Young, filling in for Robbie Dillmore and Bill Mixon, our Christian insurance guys here also today. Good morning. The next thing I'd like to... Well, as we were going to the break, I found myself tongue-tied, and then when the break got here, I realized, okay, maybe God just said, wait a minute, and then you can do this after the break, but uh, I apologize for my tongue-tiedness, and that's hard to say, too. <laughs> can our desire for our kids to have more than we did growing up blind us to the harmful effects of affluenza? Bob, what is affluenza, you may ask? That is getting everything you want. 
It's the young lady fussing at her mother because her BMW does not have heated back seats like her friends does, or fussing at her mother because her thread count on her sheets is not as high as the friend she spent the night with the week before. Affluenza is a really, really dangerous thing, and there's more of us suffering from it, more people suffering from it than we might realize. When I was young, we had plenty to eat, a roof over our heads, and clothes on our back. I was 12 before my parents bought our first home. Before that time, we had rented. My two older brothers and I were well provided for, but there was not an abundance of extras. I was 13 years old before I got my first pair of Converse Chuck Tanner snakes, and I was so proud of those shoes. But we were just kind of a, a modest family. We didn't have, we had the essentials, but we didn't have a whole lot of extras. And I was 25 before I was ever able to buy a new car. I'd made do with the used ones all the way through then. And I think because of these factors and many more, I wanted my son Rob to have plenty. We all... I think, want our kids to have life better than we had it. But there is a fine line between doing and overdoing for our kids. Once again, I'm guilty as charged. Now, I've been known to overdo things all of my life. But when it came to getting stuff for Rob, I had a pretty serious problem. His mother and I divorced when he was four years old. And I always wanted him to have stuff to play with at my house, too. His mother always had him an abundance of clothes, so I got to focus on toys and having fun. I think I was trying to make up for the things that I wanted and could not have when I was a kid. Now, I'm not saying that getting stuff for our kids is always a bad thing. I'm just saying that later in life, I lost the balance between behavior and rewards, and I did not really notice it was happening. It was, it was kind of a process, I guess, or, you know, I just, I didn't balance it out. But um, when Rob was young, he was such a good kid, very, very, very well behaved, and gave me almost no trouble. I was a single dad struggling to make house payments, so there were limits to the amount I could spend. But we did okay. When Rob was 11, my partner and I started the business. And uh, it took a couple of years to get things up and running, but soon we were doing pretty good. As business began to do better and we actually started to make a profit, I was able to do and get more things for my son. At that time, it was not a bad thing because his behavior was still very good. But when his grades started to drop and his behavior patterns declined, I neglected the fact that his rewards, his rewards should have declined also. I did not let him feel the consequences of his actions. And if bad behavior does not have consequences, we remove the motivation for corrective measures. If someone gets all they want 
in spite of bad grades and bad behavior, they don't feel the need to do better. So if you feel like you may be headed in this direction as a parent, please do your child and yourself a huge favor and take corrective measures immediately. Now, at the same time, I would encourage you to remember what people desire, need, crave the most is acceptive, being accepted and loved. And there are a lot of parents that don't remind their children, no matter what problem they get into, they're always welcome back. They're always loved. They're all accepted, which is like God. Jesus said he came so that forgiveness and repentance of sin would be preached in his name. I had a son who went through some problems, and same problem three different times, and he'd say, I'm sorry. I'd say, well, you know, I I spend a lot of time in the jail and prison. I I know a lot of sorry people. I don't care that you're sorry. Now, if you're so sorry, you're going to make differences. Then we can work with that. So we need to tell our kids that they can always come home, that they can always be listened to, that they can always start over like that prodigal son. Now, they got to start from ground level, but they've got a warm, safe, loving place to come to when they come to their senses. And the door is always open. The door is always open. That's really excellent, Bill. Thank you for that. That just, uh, you know, sometimes we, um, we, um, we miss that fact, you know, we, we always want that door to be open, and that's the same door that God's opened back up for me so many times. And um, we're fixing to take a break here. We'll be uh, coming right back in uh, in just a little bit, but um, have some more to share with you. And we're just really, really, really excited to have everybody here with us today. Spending time with Bill today has been good for me, and um, we have a, a couple of the tougher issues coming up. You're listening to The Christian Car Guy Show. Good morning, everyone. You're listening to the Christian Car Guy Show. I'm your guest host this week, Bob Young. Bill Mixon, our Christian insurance guy, is with us today also. In the last segment today, we have a call coming in from Mr. Jim Owens. He's with Ford Performance Marketing. He's going to be talking to us about a new Mustang uh, coming out very soon, and uh, really excited about having him with us. Today, we've been speaking about what's blinding us. You know, naturally want to gear it toward the car to begin with and the things that can blind us in the car. I've been blinded by somebody sitting beside me or somebody sitting behind me, you know, uh, and had my view obstructed from that. But as we turn toward life and and look at life and everything, we want to figure out what's blinding us there. There's so many things that can get in our way and things that have blinded us in in other ways in our life. The last thing, or the next thing I'd like to mention, 
is about the fact that the stigma, the stigma, what people think, uh, the stigma of drug abuse. The stigma of drug abuse blinded me for a period of time and delayed the process of getting the necessary help for the young man I love so dearly. No, not my son, were the words my pride had me saying over and over. Pride clouded my judgment, and instead of addressing the issue immediately, I found myself denying the facts. I was more concerned excuse me. I was more concerned about my friends and my family finding out and viewing me as a failure as as a father when I should have been searching for help anywhere we could find it. I was so disappointed with myself for letting my pride put me in that position. How many times has your pride got in your way and just kept you from saying or doing or or acting or addressing an issue that you should have addressed? And, you know... It was so crazy on my behalf. My son was struggling, and there was a silly part of me that was um, that was wanting to hide it. You know, oops, we can't let anybody find this out. Oh, man. Rob's addiction <clears throat> was something we dealt with for, for quite some time. After trying nearly everything, I found... I found a way, I finally found a way to convince him to get the help he needed. It was one of the hardest things I ever did. I was a father who had spent years trying to give my son all I could. But the thing that made Rob reach out for help with his addiction was when I took everything from him. Everything. I took his house. I took his job. I took his vehicle. And I had heard of tough love before, but until that point, I really didn't know a whole lot about it. But as a result of all this, my son Rob entered a addiction recovery program at Alpha Acres, part of the Winston-Salem Rescue Mission, where he got saved and baptized. And he was doing so good while he was there, but he made the decision I mean, I had seen such an improvement in him and his physical appearance, his emotional appearance, and and just everything about him was just growing and and becoming more and renewed, and they had such a positive effect on him. But he did, uh, he made the decision to leave the program early. He did great for nearly four months. He was at work, showing up, Working hard, I wouldn't give him the job back at first, but after a while I realized that the idle hands were going to be a really bad thing for him. But I gave him the job back, and and he did great for nearly four months. But for some reason, he decided to use drugs again and lost his life. But once again, God gave me the opportunity to share my mistakes, hoping that someone hears these mistakes and avoids them because I made so many of them. I feel like I I need to be the one to, to come right out and say, you know, look out for these mistakes because they're out there. They're looking for you. 
And I sure hope somebody hears them and avoids that. It wouldn't be the first time that God took a blunder I made from the past and turned it into a positive lesson for someone's future. Who better to speak about the potential mistakes we can make as parents than a man who made so many and then ended up suffering the ultimate consequences? Now, it's been really tough sharing and talking about the mistakes I made. And there was another time in my past that I thought that I couldn't share the things I had done because I was ashamed with them. God gave me the opportunity to work with young people, and I just felt like I can't work with kids because of my past. I can't do it. I'm disqualified because of my past. But at that time, I think that was the the first time that God let me know that what I thought disqualified me from working with young people uniquely qualified me to work with young people. Who better to, to talk to somebody about a mistake than somebody that made them all? And um, I think Brother Bill has something he wants to share with us at this time. You know, a lot of us, a lot of me, a lot of us have this problem that we worry about what other people think about us. And I remember a very low point in my life. I was talking to somebody, and he said something that radically changed my life. He says, you really shouldn't worry about what other people think about you because they don't. You really shouldn't worry about what other people think about you because they don't. Tell the guys in the jail, the only person thinking about you right now are that select few that love you and care for you and are worried about you. The rest of the world's not thinking about you. They've got all these problems that they're trying to deal with. Their life is too full to be worried about you. That worry about what other people think about us prevents us from reaching out and admitting we have a problem and seeking out help. There's plenty of help out there. If you can articulate exactly what your problem is, where you're trying to go, I tell the guys, if you're driving around lost and you pull into a gas station in the middle of the night and you say, help me, I'm lost, what are they going to ask you? Bob, what are they going to ask you? Where are you going? If you don't know where you're going, you're a great big problem. Nobody can help you. But if you know what your problem is, there are plenty of people out there that will be glad to help you. And that pride, that fear that you don't want people to look inside of your feelings and your mind and your thoughts really screws us up royally. And we've got to get, that's a lot of what Jesus's message is, is that our daddy loves us so much. He's not worried about what we did yesterday. We can lay those things at God's feet. We can repent. And God promises to not only forgive, but he promises over and over again to forget our repentant sins. And Jesus says, you don't need to worry about tomorrow if you can't change the color of one hair in your head. And this is one white-headed fella sitting across <laughs> from another. If you can't change the color of one hair on your head, why are you worried about what's going to happen tomorrow? But you've got plenty of things that you can worry about today. But Paul tells us we need to take those things to God. We don't worry about them and let them bother us. Excuse me, we worry about him and we talk to our father about him. 
and Daddy will send the Holy Spirit, and Jesus will go before our Father and say, you know, Bill's got this big problem. He's got a dumb idea how to fix it, Daddy. But we can send that Holy Spirit, and we can deal with, we can solve just about any problem that we're willing to turn over to our Daddy today. That's amazing, Bill. That's uh you know, I've confessed a lot of my mistakes today, and uh, I've talked about several things that, that blind us to God's will for our lives. But there's been so many things that blocked blocked me, blinded me, would not let me see what God's will was for my life. Um, I had the work thing that was just such an, it imposed itself in my life just completely and thoroughly. And... Um, I found myself making work more important than God, and it kind of blinded me to God's will for my life. And uh, when you said doubt and fear, Lord have mercy, how many times have we, God's got a plan for us, and we know what it is, but we just have our doubts about whether we can perform or, or whether he's really talking to us. We have another break coming. We'll be right back with the Christian Car Guy Show. Everybody, if you'd like to call us, 866-348-7884. Give us a call. You're listening to the Christian Car Guy. Good morning, everyone. You're listening to the Christian Car Guy Show with your guest host, Bob Young, your Christian junkyard guy, and uh, Brother Bill Mixon, your Christian insurance guy. Um, so far today, we've been talking about what's blinding us, what's obstructing our view, what's keeping us from seeing things as they really are, what's keeping us from seeing God's will for our life. But we're going to go from talking about blindness and we're going to let Brother Jim Owens from Ford Performance Marketing shine some light and uh, give us a little vision on the new Ford Mustang. Jim, are you with us? Yeah, good morning, Bob. How are you today? Uh, Most excellent. We've had a great time today and uh, just really excited to hear from you. and, uh, And it's about the new Mustang, right? Yeah, so well, there's a couple of different things we have. Um, we just celebrated our 10 millionth Mustang being produced last week um, from April of 1964 um, until this year. We've produced 10 million Mustangs that we think, you know, help create that family environment where you have car clubs that come together and people that sit around and, and, and talk together with family about their cars, which has been exceptional. And, you know, we truly enjoy it at Ford Performance. 10, mi- 10 million is a pretty high number there, brother. <laughs> it is a big number. Um, it's been produced, you know, since back in April 17th of 1964. Um, it generates family as well, if you think about it. Um, there was a 22-year-old school teacher 
who actually bought the first Mustang. Um, we had asked Ford Motor Company had asked them not to sell the car until April 17th of 1964. Uh, but she was fresh out of college. She was a school teacher and she wanted a convertible to drive to school. And the salesman, uh, basically three days early, sold her the convertible. So she was the first buyer in the United States of the Mustang. And her and her husband uh, still own the car. And 50 years later, as a family project, they rebuilt the car. And so we had Gail and her husband with their car right next to the 10 millionth Mustang. Wow, that's amazing. That's very cool. I bet she was proud. Did she? I'm sure she still had it in pristine condition. Well, it did over the years. You know, I'm 54 years old, and, you know, I'm not quite as spry as I was in my 20s. Um, <laughs> but they did. So they uh, they kind of let it fall, and, you know, in normal use. It was their family car. Um, and then years later, after she retired from being a school teacher, they decided as a family they would rebuild it. There so you it was go. a good, cool family project. Well, I had one I held on to for years. It was a 65, and uh, I was just so sure that uh, my son and I would end up restoring it someday. But um, when he passed, I lost all interest in So I, I, I let somebody else love on that car, and uh, it has been fully restored now, and uh, it's immaculate. Yeah, and, and, and I'm sorry to hear about your loss. And it it, it is a piece of families. You know, the cars have have become, you know, now they're, you know, people look at them as just transportation sometimes, but, you know, we like to think that those Mustangs, like you didn't sell the car as much as you gave it, sold it to another family who was going to create stories and memories in it. Exactly. And, and, and that's kind of the cool thing. And we're doing some, we're making some memories for the future today, actually. We launched the all-new Ford GT Heritage Edition, which was the vehicle that, you know, back in the 60s, uh, Henry Ford II went over to Europe and tried to, you know, buy Ferrari, um, and that deal fell apart, so he decided he wanted to challenge them through racing. So 50 years ago, Ford Motor Company in 1966 uh, finished 1-2-3 with the Ford GT40 program. So we won races in 66, 67, 68, and 69. And so 50 years later, we are celebrating that heritage. Um, now with, you know, Henry Ford III, you know, calling about keeping it in the family, who helped launch the Ford GT program this year, we have the beautiful, what we call golf color livery, um, to recognize the winner from 1968. And we've unveiled it here today, at, or yesterday, at Pebble Beach. And the car is just stunning. It is absolutely stunning. I haven't looked at the website. Does Robbie have pictures of that posted? Do you know? Yeah, there are pictures. I don't know from your side, but yes, we had posted pictures from it uh, okay. from yesterday. Okay. Well, I haven't. I'm not much of a website person, but I know everybody else is. Everybody calls me a caveman because I don't email and this and that. And people wonder, <laughs> how do you do business without email? I says, you call me on the phone or you usually don't talk to me, you know. <laughs> I will. Yeah, it's amazing how the technology has kind of evolved. And the technology that's evolved in this car, you know, has will help 
the cars and trucks that your listeners will be driving in the future. And, you know, the, the proving on the racetrack um, with the vehicles, you know, basically ends up helping make the cars, you know, more innovative and technologically safe, you know, going into the future. So the participation in racing is, and especially with this 2019 Ford GT Heritage Edition, is um, not only, you know, viscerally pleasing and performance, you know, that, that it has the performance, but the men and women who engineer that vehicle will go on to engineer other vehicles that the customers will drive in the future, making it, you know, a safer place out on the road. Well, brother, thank you for calling us today, and thank you for sharing all that. I've got another caller I want to try to get to, but thank you so much for being a part of our show today. Thank you, Bob. We truly appreciate it, and we hope you have a great day. All right, brother. Thank you very much. We have Bobby from High Point. (coughs) Are you with me, Bobby? Yes, I'm here. All right. right. Sorry to leave you on hold so long, but... uh, that one had to get through first. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, I was listening. I don't know who, who, which one of you fellas lost their son. I did in 2014, January the 9th, 2014. Well, I'm just so very sorry. That's so, so sad. Thank the Lord I haven't lost either one of my children. Um, but you guys are talking about discipline. Now, my husband was a smack under 6'5", weighed 235 pounds. And my daughter said, Pat, and I always prayed Daddy got to us first said, because he was a lot easier going than you, Mother. So we knew something, it was going to be on if you were the one that was doing the discipline. Well, my, my, mom son- had a, my mom had a pretty sharp switch herself. <laughs> and sometimes she'd make yeah. me go find one, you know. Oh, it my turned down the first two. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you, but, uh, that, now, my children aren't perfect. My son and daughter are, I think they're wonderful people. My son, I just told the young man I was talking to, he is in Israel. He works for Christian Friends of Israel, and he called me today. I tried calling him, and he was had gone to a gym um, to swim. Anyway, he was on, on his way back, and uh, today is his 59th birthday, and I remember... God, 1959, now, now, it went down as the hottest We July appreciate on- you calling in, but this is the, the closing music coming, so be real quick. Oh, okay. Anyway, I was going to say, Pat got to the floor one time. I don't know what made him thought, think he's going to get by with a tantrum, but I worked on his tail good. Well, we I appreciate him- you calling in so much, and we hope you'll call in again. But the show is closing up. Thank you. You'll be in our prayers this week, well, ladies keep and gentlemen. Well, in your prayers. He's over there. He might be safer in Israel than he is here in the United States. But anyway, thank you. Thank you, dear. Thanks for calling. Folks, you've been listening to the Christian Car Guy Show. It's been a real pleasure to be here with you today, Bill, and all of you out there. Thanks for listening. Hope something we said makes a difference in your life. And uh, listen again soon, please. Thank you very much.